I said talk to me, damn it, or else I'm gonna throw you in the fire! You stupid bitch, you filthy! Welcome back to Fiverr State of Fear. This week, I have another great guest in Morgan Robinson. Uh, Morgan is a podcaster and overall great guy uh, on Twitter and in person uh, and whatnot. Um, you can find Morgan at Morgan Hasn't Seen It, and it's a wonderful podcast. Hey, Morgan, what's up? Hello. Thank you. I, I like that you refer to me as a great guy because not many people do that, so... Thank you, Joe. I mean, I, I can call you a piece of shit you. if you want, but, like, I didn't but think that just, was a good intro. It just feels more like something I would be used to. Okay. No, I'm kidding, obviously. Yeah. I am delighted to be here. I really am. This is going to be a lot of fun, I guess. Yeah, I can't I can't wait. And you picked a really – we'll talk about it later, as anyone new listening to the show will talk about it in a few minutes of the show, but – We'll be talking about Wicker Man today, um, 1973's Wicker Man. Um, but first, uh, how have you been? How's everything going? How's uh, how's England? Oh, England's crazy, obviously. It's yeah. ridiculous. I mean, the world is a mess, but we truck on. I know, That's good. A weird saying goes, That's I suppose. It. No, I, I'm okay, you know. A lot of my free time out of work is dedicated to doing my shows, my you know, my mm-hmm. own podcast. It's a wonderful podcast. So you know, that's just recently in the last couple of months celebrated over two hundred episodes of yeah, that can, show. Congrats on that. That was amazing. I remember when you guys started it. Yeah, it's, it's been it's a long like, time. Yeah, two hundred we're all of our podcasts at Flyover, you know, Flyover State of Film or Flyover and now fear they're all bi-weekly so flowers it comes like i think we've been doing it for four years but we're almost at a hundred yeah it's, and it's, then i it's, and then like one take fear away and then it's like 120 with like you know specials and things like that yeah it's 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 crazy i think that that level of dedication mm-hmm. means that your show is a success oh, because you. if you didn't feel that you know, I, I feel the same with, with the things that, you know, me, Janine and, and, and Nolan do as well. It's If we hadn't been, you know, if we'd have thought however long ago this isn't worth doing anymore, then we have to chalk that down as maybe it's not worked out. Oh, definitely. I'm but we're here. still going and we're That's still pulling every week. And it's I, think, great. I think we're at 25 for for this show. Or something like that. And that's about when it hit that mark. When I got to that 10, 12 episode mark, I was like, all right, this this is this we're we're here to stay. I also want to comment on for people watching or listening, you have some great horror pops to your uh Yes. To your yes. I do. Uh-huh. Uh, was that Vincent Price, uh Visible Man, Frankenstein, Dracula? 
Yes. And I've got Edgar Allan Poe holding Edgar Allan Poe. I was trying to... Oh, yeah. Okay. That might be cropped, but that's what's there. Really nice piece. Um, so uh, for anyone listening to this show, we ask, what is your horror origin story? And you can answer that any way you want. You know. I, I, I suppose my horror origin story is a weird one. I guess I treat it a lot like my movie fan origin story, yeah. if you want to call it that, is that, you know, it often seems like people grow up surrounded by movie lovers and then become movie lovers themselves. Horror lovers, you know, are shown horror movies at too young an age and then grow up to be a horror fan themselves. That isn't me at all. <laughs> I'm kind of entirely of my own doing. I kind of just found... I don't even remember how I found loving movies. I guess I just, when I was like 13, 14, just decided, oh, let's watch The Godfather. Oh, yeah. Okay, down. And then here I am now. I used to sit um, on the, we had on demand about that age, 10, 12, 12, 13 was about when that, that service came around. And I would just go by one by one eventually, you know. Next one, A, B, C, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, and it, it, look, it's not like my family hated movies or something like that. Of course, you know, I, I you know, I still watch movies and still go to the cinema, but they certainly are nowhere near kind of my intense, unnecessary level mm-hmm. of, of, let's call it obsession, because I suppose that's what it is. But about. Hey man, I got a podcast about movies. You have a podcast about movies. Is yeah. obsession. It's it's perfectly normal. But yeah, in terms of horror, I think that goes back even earlier. To be fair, I think I certainly remember watching some old Bella Lugosi vehicle. Oh, okay. When I was like seven or something like that. I don't even really remember the name of it. I just remember it had Bella Lugosi in it and a dude dressed as a gorilla. Oh, yeah, my, um, my knowledge is slim with that. But... I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't really tell you what it is. I've never bothered to look back at sure. that distinct image. And then a few years after that, I remember I must have stumbled across something on YouTube or, or whatever random internet thing and it was uh you know kind of countdowns top 10 yeah villains top 10 horror scenes and you'd always have the same kind of oh the opening of halloween the opening of scream you know mm-hmm. the, the samara crawling out of the tv in the yeah. room and all this business and it was just like okay let's let's watch these as an 11 year old this is fine and just kind of gravitated towards them I mean, it's weird because, not that this has got necessarily anything to do with horror movies, but I also remember as a smaller child being terrified of, like, ghost trains at theme parks. Like, no, not, absolutely. Not wanting to go on them at all, but yep. not being able to take myself away from looking at them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a thing in, uh, all. I think, of, like, a lot of the children, it's the... Like there's a morbid curiosity, right? Like, like yeah, and that, I loved, and I still am scared of several urban legends today and this and that. 
but like at that age, you're talking about the theme park, or like I would go to, I'm just saying like myself, like I would go to the library or the school library, and I'd find all their books on like folklore or urban legends. Did I ever actually read any of it? No. But I like taking it out and I like looking at it, but it scared me. So I totally get that. I, I do think it's a thing, especially with uh, young boys. There's Possibly like. A, I, I've not looked into the. Kind of. Like, yeah, but it, it's there. And uh, I don't know. I think what happens, it's like, that's why when I ask this question, I say, you can answer however you want. Because you could come on the show and you could have said, I love the Wicker Man, but I don't like horror. Well, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I, I love horror. I, you know, people may think of me or hope to come to think of me if you are finding me from this lovely show um, as a guy who loves old movies, who loves mm-hmm. classics. Then classics is a term that I tend to avoid because what is a classic? That's such a vague, random term, and I don't really like it. But that's my weird opinion. But I am also mainly a horror guy and I kind of always have been since I started really getting into movies which I also feel was quite late at like 15 or something like that is there any um was there any movie or show or anything in particular that did hook you around those ages I mean I don't I don't think so I, I suppose I was look I was the most stereotypical movie fan at 15 years old it's also like kind of could i guess i probably have the same palette at 15 years old uh your classic your classic film bro uh like like sleuth of like i love like taxi driver i still like these movies by the way but like 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 i'm into movies i like taxi driver um I think it was a 16 or 17, uh, The Dark Knight was out. So I was like, that's the best, that's my, that's a great movie. And these are good movies. And, uh, but just a couple more, uh, wasn't my, I don't like this movie. We just covered on flyover, but it's of that canon. Like, you're like, oh, and then you would add in like the Boondock Saints in there. But then I, it would, um, um, so did I kind of hit it right of like, Pulp Pulp Fiction, uh, Maybe if you were a little cool, you may say Snatch. Yeah, a little, little bit. Certainly you hit the nail on the head with Taxi Driver. Oh, I, I, by the way. Which is a great I movie. I love these movies. Uh, not Boondock Saints. I really did not like that movie. <laughs> but, but Taxi Driver, I, I, had a, I had a fucking poster in my, the, 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 like a framed nice movie poster of all of these. In my room. And then you realize what the, you know, the term film bro is, what that yeah know what that is and i go okay and like you cover classic movies one and we could all expand our uh horizon yeah. palette and still to this day be like my favorite movie is goodfellas or one of them and it's not the most original choice <laughs> no it's but yeah I, it's, ex- it's virtually exactly the same kind of deal i think yeah. and it may be it may be that some part in me started it's a wonderful podcast for cynical reasons because i so too many younger people first get into movies that wouldn't look at older movies mm-hmm. and would dismiss them. And I knew, while I was never like that myself, you know, a dismissive of older movies, I certainly was one of those annoying people that I saw in hindsight yeah. that completely misunderstood the point of Al Pacino's Scarface. Oh, 
don't get me wrong about Scar. I I was uh, middle school into Scarface. I had like you know that like when they released it on DVD for the first time, like that was a big deal. And I was in seventh or grade or sixth grade. I saw anything. I, I didn't really have parameters. Like my dad showed it to me on the two VHS tapes. I was like, this movie's great. And I watched it. I understood at the time, but no one knew it. I think there's a classic joke from a comic. It was like, a lot of rappers were into Scarface at that yeah. time, like 2004, 2005. And you, know, you watch MTV's Cribs, and they have the posters and their idols, Tony Montana. And uh, they would go, uh, there was a joke being like, I think they just turned it off halfway through. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the worst. It's the worst person to idolize in the entire world. But uh, every insecure fifteen-year-old loves. I had a, Tony, I had a Tony Montana. Montana poster smoking a cigar. Yeah. So and so did I, because uh, that's just what happened. And then a few years later, you watch it again with a bit more. It's a fun maturity, movie. I suppose, and a bit more kind of understanding of, of yeah. movies and what you know, kind of how stuff's put together, and you realise, oh, oh, it's actually kind of like the opposite of what I thought it was. Would but you... that makes me appreciate it almost even more. Yeah. Because it half trips. Do you want to yell? Sorry. With, oh, no, no, you're good. With um, While we're on the Scarface topic real quick. So do you want to, like, yell at people if they say, like, oh, I love Scarface, and do you want to be like, no, watch De Palmas, watch watch Blowout and Sisters. They're so much better. I still really like Sky. I, I oh, I like the movie. I just yeah. I just mean like Brian De Palma, pre Scarface or like pre nineteen eighty one or whenever it was made. The, his run in the seventies, those movies yeah. are. Uh, I picked up two really nice Criterion's recently of Blowout and Sisters. Nice. Um, and uh, what, View to Kill is. I mean he. Anyway, there, uh, it's all good stuff. Um, no, that's, it's it's a weird it's a weird example. It's because I do I, I genuinely think that movie kind of epitomizes epitomizes what I think was immature about myself at that mm-hmm. age and my movie loving. And that's not to say you can't love this these movies. I still love these movies, but you can acknowledge that like you misunderstood the point of every single monster movie you ever watched i think in horror i think in horror there um especially that has a weird lane too right like there's a trend right now like nothing can be bad and like i like to knowledge and my favorite genre of movie is so bad it's good and okay. and but like it's like yeah i'm very on the page of like you know, I love love whatever you want to love and enjoy it and whatever. But I need to acknowledge that, like, yeah, no, that like, like, act not not the movie X, but like movie B or whatever. That was bad, but you had fun with it. Like, don't try to don't try to tell me date movie was a good movie, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. uh, or like scary movie five or whatever yeah. it is, right? Like, as long as we could sit here and acknowledge, or like my favorite, one of my favorites. Troll 2, I'm holding up a sticker for people that, like, I just it. acknowledge this shit's bad. But yeah. it's great. It's the best. Anyway, that, uh, I totally get that. Um, uh, so, before we lead into Wicker Man, I did want to ask you, though, you know, uh, have you gotten any, like, the new term, like, elevated horror movies? Like, like, uh, because Wicker Man, definitely, if this was released, like, today, it would be 
an elevated horror movie. I don't think... I could talk about the subgenres of horror for hours and hours and hours, and please forgive me if at some point during this episode I actually do that. Um, elevated, elevated horror. I mean, I admittedly don't like that really? either. I don't like the. Ter- I, I love the movies that. Oh, okay, but you know the about. term. You know the I term. Mean, I find. Very pretentious, very pretentious. I find like it's kind of somebody going, Oh, I like elevated horror because a simple slasher movie is not good enough mm-hmm. for me. It's like, well, we, grow up, get, a, well, get out of my face with it. Well, we have, um, I mean, we it's really introduced because of Scream 5, like you know, we have the term requel now in elevated yeah. horror. And I do understand it because I think you would just call it like art house horror before. But I do what you're saying because there is a level like, and then I, you know, got to be an uber nerd when someone goes, well, I really only like A24 movies. I've heard, I've heard people say that. And I go, A24 doesn't produce movies. Like they don't fund the movies. They just purchase them and distribute them. They're not, they're just cataloging the movies. They're all a similar style, but that's because yeah. A24 pick that style yes. and go, we want that. Same with Neon, and yeah. which is kind of coming up. But, so, because of recently, um, uh, you know, Midsummer recently is very heavily compared to Midsummer. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it, definitely watching the two, I have found Midsummer. I found it actually just in very, like, in concept, they're similar, but they're so such two wildly different movies. Well, I mean, The Wicker Man kind of fundamentally falls under folk horror. Yeah, I think Midsummer is 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 more than just simple folk horror. It's got more going on than simply being a folk horror movie. It's trying it's, to be a real horror movie. It's trying to be. I mean, it's it's not real. You know what I mean when I say real horror movie. Yeah, it's, it's trying to be like three different things and i think it succeeds at being those things. oh it's a it's phenomenal i mean they it just is they just pissed me off though a24 because i bought the the 4k nice special edition i just have to get this off on an audio medium right now my my, my uh and it's it's yeah it's beautiful it's this package and it, it wasn't cheap which i have no problem but the fucking disc has zero special features no. It doesn't even have a menu. Oh, It's like, it's like putting in a videotape almost. It's like, cool, you gave me this packaging with book, but like, and it's the director's cup. And I was like, yeah, I want to listen to audio commentary from Ari Aster or whatever. Anyway, that's you my break. You got to make sure of that sort of stuff. I only, I mean, I only, I, I only buy Blu-rays now. That I only, I, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a frame of mind now where I only buy Blu-rays and, and even still dvds but i'm just going to make sure they've got additional yeah, stuff i've got to be good quality actual pieces of physical media rather than just being the base movie yeah i learned that le- 50 dollars later i learned that lesson That's bad. um and it's like i said it's a beautiful book it has the sketches in it it's like even though main menu anyway um there a poster well I, no no it is a nice piece put it that way it's just like you got me. That's what I felt like. I was like, all right, you got me. I could have bought this other thing on like Apple for like $6 if I really <laughs> wanted to watch the director's cut. Um, but what, um, 
what I, I did want to, I'm glad we bring up physical media because I was looking around and I wish, I wish like Criterion or someone released the Wicker Man, um, you know, with, with a full on like, like special featured Blu-ray. Yeah. There is one out there, but. It's like definitely on resale value right now. It's like 150 bucks, and I'm, I don't know. It's not from Arrow, but it's from one of those, you know. Uh, no, I don't think I don't think Arrow will do a do a Wicker Man actually. My my copy of the Wicker Man is it's a DVD. It's got I have a DVD, on, but it's one I've had for years. I have a um, DVD of it. It was when uh, I got it when Blockbuster was closing, and I was like, okay, that I'll watch one day. Yeah. Never, never saw it, and you know. Oh, watch it, and then I still have it. Even cri- Criterion, I have a weird relationship with Criterion because Criterion has a weird relationship with Britain. Oh, and I it, didn't know that. It doesn't like having all of its movies available for British purchase. Oh, that's weird. Or on, you know, British, because we have a different region. Yeah. Players and that sort of stuff. It, um, so I think I, 4Ks are all region free, though. I also find Criterion to be more expensive than other very good distributors yeah. when it comes to physical media. So I, I go for Arrow. I go for um, Powerhouse Films, Indicator uh, Series. I love that sort of stuff. Yeah. Internet, Eureka you might, are a good one. Uh, over where you go, international or where you guys are, uh, um, you know, in Britain and all that, you guys have some really good distrib- like sec- like the secondhand distributors. Like we, I feel like here I have like, Arrow and like Vinegar Syndrome and then and Criterion and then like even Vinegar Syndrome. I mean, this is the hard podcast, but I'm like, I don't feel like spending $30 on a movie that was like a B movie. I did just pick up a um, so one of the hardest movies we'll talk. I promise whoever's listening, we will talk about Wickerman. Um, we will. One of the hardest movies to find, at least here in the States, is Dawn of the Dead. Uh, really? It's not George in, Romero. Yeah, it's not in print. Or they put it out wow. a few times. They put it out a handful of times or something. There's something weird with it. So uh, recently I eBayed and I got, I don't know which company it is, but this beautiful box set, I do think it came from uh, Britain. Um, and it has like all three cuts of the movie. The only thing I can't watch because of the region player is the special features disc. Oh. But I was like, that's okay. I have the movies because I've been looking for it for, yeah, uh, Dawn of the Dead yeah. and... Dawn of the Dead, and then Dogma is out of print. In the yeah, U- you can't. Dogma's not. I, a thing. I have a yeah, D- I weird. I have a DVD copy of it. Dogma's not on any streaming. It's not um It's a really tough movie to Yeah. Find. Yeah. Fucking Weinstein's. All right. Yeah. So Wicker Man. Um, real quick for anyone listening, I'm gonna read the 1973's Wicker Man. Um, I'm gonna read the synopsis. That was on Wikipedia, uh, Google, and um, it's blind. It's a blind read. So let's see if this is accurate. Sergeant Howie arrives on a small Scottish island in Summer Isle to investigate the report of a missing child. A conservative Christian, the policeman observes the residents' frivolous sexual displays and strange pagan rituals, particularly the temptations of Willow, daughter of the island magistrate, Lord Summer Isle, the Lord Summerisle, the sergeant, the more Sergeant Howie learns about the island, Islanders' strange practices, the closer he gets to tracking down the missing child. That is one of the better synopses I have read from Google because they're 
Never. It's hit or miss. I think not. I, there was there was some mistakes in that in terms of facts. <laughs> I don't think Willow is the innkeeper's daughter. So I think. Or the landlord's daughter. There's a whole song about it in the movie. Yeah, that's what, person hasn't watched the movie. Who's right? Daughter of the island. I don't know what a magistrate a magistrate is. So maybe Mag- magistrate. So that would be like the the law person. The like. Oh yeah, that's wrong. Person, but there's there's not even. I don't know. Oh no, yeah, you're right. That. They're saying she's the daughter of Christopher Lee. She's not the daughter of Christopher no. Lee at all. I love it. I love All right, it. well, that's what's it. And that's why I read it, and that's why I read it blind, because it's always like, like when we did Janine's episode of Scream, if you look up Scream, it's like this I, this this horror of movie that changed the genre. It's, there's no, it, you know, it, there's no information. I'm like, oh, yes, and like. What did it do? Yeah. It changed so, the genre. How? I'm not going to tell you. That's a secret. Um, so I'll just ramble off a few fun facts and, uh, just, we're gonna run through the movie. Um, uh, I thought it was really neat that, uh, Rod Stewart tried to get the movie banned because his, uh, girlfriend, Britt Eklund, uh, Willow is naked in it. <laughs> so he tried to get the movie banned, which is hysterical. Um, it is from Rod Stewart as well, who parades himself around. Yeah. Like, uh, who, who Britt Eklund is like. I can imagine she was naked before this movie. Like she was like I, a sex symbol. She 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 is the epitome of sexy person in a British movie from the late sixties, early seventies. Yeah. You put Brit Eklund and you put Ingrid Pitt in your movies, and they're both in this movie, and they both end up bearing all in this movie, and it's just kind of expected. Yeah, that's it's it's, two in the movie, so you just. That was the first kind of fact that made me chuckle. Um, The other thing I didn't know, and I imagine, I don't know which version you watched, and I don't know which version I watched. I rented whatever the one was Amazon. Um, But this one, there are multiple versions of this movie with longer and shorter versions of it all over the place. The original negative went missing and may even be lying under the M3 motorway because over 300 canisters of film used as filler in the construction of that road. To this day, despite a director's cut being available, the movie is still considered by by most involved in its production as unfinished. Well, I know I own the theatrical. I then I watched the theatrical too. I think that's yeah. uh good, good. Uh and then uh yeah. And then um, you know, this really got made this movie really got made because Christopher Lee had such a heavy hand in making this movie just because he wanted to get away from being known as Dracula. And uh he and he thinks this is his best like work he's done and I gotta yeah. agree. There's a there's a this I mean this shows the kind of weird things I watch on YouTube. There's an interview from the mid nineties with Christopher Lee on Icelandic television. Um because for some reason he speaks a little bit of Icelandic as well. The man speaks every, he spoke every oh, he's, language. Oh, uh, he's, Christopher Lee's whose James Bond is partially written off of. Yes. Like, he's an interesting man. He's a ridiculously interesting man. And yeah, on, on in that interview, he states directly that, up until that point at least, I mean, I'm sure probably he enjoyed doing Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I was wondering when else. that quote was said. <laughs> But um, 
you know, up to that point, The Wicker Man was his favorite movie, and I, I, I love that. I really love that about him. Yeah, it's 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 unique. Your long story career, uh, even before you know Lord of the Rings, and he picked that one, and it's and he worked for free. Um, so those are just the kind of fun facts I I had queued up. Um, directed by Robin Hardy, uh, and starring Edward Woodward, Britt Eklund, uh, Ingrid Pitt, and Christopher Lee. Um, mm-hmm. but and I love that we start the movie off, and though we do get the title screen like thanking Scotland for just like. Like being like, thanks for letting us use this, which seems so of its time of like, like we oh we know we offended you. Like that's the only reason why it's there. Yeah, because it's not like a not a huge movie. It's not overly polished. It's an early seventies movie. Yeah. And it feels like an early seventies movie. There's one particular shot where Edward Woodward whose name, by the way, I always adore saying because it sounds even better, I think, in an English accent. It's just mm. Edward Woodward. That's nice. Just say it five times fast. It's just silly to Edward say. Woodward. Why is he Edward called Woodward. Edward Woodward? It sounds stupid. But there's one scene where he's just shocked. I mean, he's shocked virtually every time he's on screen in this movie. But it does the phenomenally 70s movie thing of the quick zoom i know exactly what shot you're talking about into the face and it's like every filmmaker in the 70s whether it's in america or in britain particularly in america because you obviously get the end of the american studio system late 60s Mm -hmm. and then in the 70s all the new wave directors come and they try a load of things out because they can now because the the freedom is there now. The equipment of making movies also becomes lighter, more portable, more useful. And they all collectively seem to decide, oh God, we can move the camera quickly now and zoom fast. So let's do it in every and movie. No one did it more than we were, a guy we were talking about earlier than Brian De Palma in those movies. No, it's all Brian De Palma all the time. All the time. I do love, like, uh, uh, as 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 most humans should be, uh, you know, I do love that Scorsese, who's still kicking ass and making movies today, will have some of these older older shots in his films. And um, I always like it. Always it always goes that that's nice in there, you know. I, I've, uh, I mean, it's not that new, but like in The Departed, like the that odd circle shot of like. Yeah. You know, the, the screen goes black, and I think it circles on, like, Leonardo DiCaprio's face. And I'm like, always like, oh, that's just him taking an old filmmaking, or now it would be old filmmaking technique, and putting in this this modern movie. Yeah. And it's a little bit different than just, like, the Jason Bourne movie that was released a week before that. <laughs> it's It's also the kind of stuff that Tarantino has always paid homage to. Yeah. Or... Well, so all stolen. Yeah, I, I, how you I, think about it. Done right, it's a mod. Done wrong, it's. Uh, we've covered a, a side on, on the main show, Firestone Film. We've covered so many like Tarantino knockoff movies of like the late '90s, like forgotten, like like crime, like 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 crime thrillers, or they were just clearly trying to be a Tarantino movie. Anyway, they're all. 
none of them are great except when Tarantino does so for the most part we have, we keep finding out when we pick you know something like uh like the big hit uh okay. yeah um but anyway so we do start with um uh, Neil uh it's Sergeant Howie I'm going to flip names and all around and uh for anyone listening if you didn't realize there's going to be spoilers we're talking about the whole movie oh god um, yeah yeah so so I love what I loved about this. It really starts right away, though. We get it um, after the opening credits. He's there. He's on the island. Uh, more of my other reference of this movie has really been the remake, the Cage remake. Which I hope to God that people weren't didn't see the title of this episode and think we were talking about Nicolas Cage shouting about bees. Well, we'll put 1973 in there. And I will say this. Uh... I I I'm a, I mean as as um you all know I'm a cage head. I love Nicolas Cage. I've seen The Wicker Man a few times, and my wife and I were watching it once for like how does it get made because like she don't do horror movies, but I was like it'd be fun. And I remember her going, "There's a good movie in here somewhere," and I'm like, "It's this." Yeah, I, yeah, I remember going, "Yeah, it's a remake of a movie that's much shorter." Yeah, and a lot more concise. Anyway, so I kept thinking of moments from that during this watch, but we start off. He in plane, and then, uh, you know, uh, he sees some fishermen on the docks, and uh, he basically bullies his way already on to the, he's like, well, I'm a policeman, so you have to let me on. And the guy's like, all right, you know, they let him on the island. Um, and, uh, I mean, but immediately we are, we are, like, real reminded of uh, how he is a devout Christian. It's such an important piece of the puzzle of this film it is it, the, the entire movie is I, I i'm someone i talk about this all the time on, on whatever shows i'm doing i'm someone who looks at movies as big picture as ideas as scenarios more mm-hmm. so i do the plot details that's why i love this movie because at its core it's just a culture clash mm-hmm. it's not even I, I don't even think this movie has a kind of attitude of we prefer one side or the so, other. It just presents this these different viewpoints. It's it's also not a hard. I mean, literally, literally, I could say this is my favorite musical of all time. Like, it, you know, it's a musical at the same time. And but you're right, it doesn't pick a side and. The whole movie, I'm watching it, and I'm like, "Fuck this guy," because he he does he's a uh, he's a bully throughout it, and not respecting yeah. of their anything because it's slightly different. Um, but the entire movie is obviously from his perspective. But then the ending, I still have no care for his character that he gets burned in the pyre. But the ending, when he gives his speech and he talks about how this isn't going to help your crops and all of this. It was the only time in the movie I have a note there of like I I I agree with him like you're like that is now on my end like I'm I'm not religious in no means but I'm like that's just a sci- like a scientific cultural fact like yeah it's 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 strange tonally it could be seen as not quite knowing what it is but I think it, I think it really is very very deliberate with its tone. I think because so. when you 
because like I said, it's so focused on, on just being Howie's perspective. You can watch this movie from the perspective of the islanders of Summer Isle themselves mm-hmm. and laugh your head off. I laughed. I, I, I enjoyed this movie more in a good way as a comedy. And um, you can do. And when you when you're looking at it through Howie's eyes, if you watch this movie as Howie, it is terrifying. Yeah, it's it's um I I like I could see someone be like, that's horrifying. Like it's it's uh I don't know if these movies scare you or not, but one of my favorite horror movies that truly still scares me is Rosemary's Baby. Weirdly similar time, similar look. And it's the same thing of the core of those movies and in this movie too is Everyone's in on the joke except for me. Yeah. And that's the scariest thing. It is terrifying when you think of it like that. That's Especially when we obviously get to the very, very serious of what happens to Howie at the the end of the movie. Because watching it, and I literally watched it an hour before we were recording. Um, It is, I watched it, I guess, from the perspective of the Islanders, which wasn't intentional. But like the scenes of the the May Day Parade and yeah, um, and the music because this movie is littered with its own music that's supposed to be I think like re- like part of Scottish just like yeah it's it's just kind of Scottish folk yeah music, folk music pagan music but okay. the way it's played and it's all light there's no serious song like I mean like it, it's it's a very flowy and light and juxtaposed to the shots you're seeing. None of it looks scary. I mean, the masks are scary, but they're not shot in a scary way. There's no, um, you know, comparing it to, let's compare it to Midsummer. there's things in Midsummer that are, like, shot to scare you. Yeah. I don't think anything in, in, uh, in Wicker Man is shot to scare me. Even the hand on the, uh, the dress, on the dresser, I mean, maybe okay. it was Dated. I didn't, it was like, I don't, it, that was me, my perspective. It Nothing felt shot to scare me. It was just like, he was intense. It, it, it was intense at moments though. There's one shot. There's one shot that I think is done for pure horror. It is right near the end of, right near the end of the movie. How he is being dragged up the hill. Mm. And, it, and you get that little 70s zoom thing that we've talked about. And he just goes, Oh God! Oh Jesus Christ! And that's yeah. scary. That is the scary shot because you get the reverse shot then of the huge. That's man. true. That's true. Um, the rest of the movie, though, I, I completely agree with. Yeah, you. It's very naturalistic. It's like very even just, and like we're jumping around wherever, but like you said, there is not much to this movie too. There's not much really plot points to walk through. It's a very simple um, story, but. Even her montage, right, when he's looking at house to house. Yeah. And even the girl falls out and, like, you know, she's playing pregnant. It's it, cause because of its choicing of editing and music, it's played as, like, oh, I'm having fun with – I'm having fun with the audience and watch uh, watch us prank – as an island, watch us prank this, this, this tight ass. Exactly. And that's why I think it's the scariest scenario horror movie ever. <laughs> because if you think about how not only kind of at the beginning of the movie I suppose how he's frustrated mm-hmm. it then turns to disgust it yeah. then turns to this kind of 
real anger and despair. And then at the end of the movie, it's like really virtually on his hands and knees begging for his life. Well, I can't. Yeah, because uh, to go through a little more, like he first gets there and he, he's looking for Rowan. And no one's like, I don't know that girl. Like, um, and he gets the, but he checks in to stay overnight. Like, the, the I think that's like kind of our first beat in there. They sing a song in the pub about the, the, um, the, uh, the innkeeper's daughter. The landlord, the landlord's daughter. The landlord's daughter. It's the horniest song in movie it's history. So horny, and I and uh, you know, and so you have that, and we see that, and he, he's like, you see those gears grinding. He's like annoyed, and then like, and then like he's like, what the fuck's wrong with you people? Then does, is that when he goes for the walk and he sees them fucking in the? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, so he goes for the walk, and he sees like couple like a dozen couples together being watched by other people but not sexually watched just fucking yeah just in a field yeah and he's like all right he runs to his room he basically runs to his room and he starts becoming more and more of a dismissive and a prick he's not polite he's just stern uh and um what's your brick brick brit eckland is the one that you know, is the landlord's daughter, and she's like coming on to him, and yeah, it's it's the energy, the vibe, yeah, the wall, yeah, she's touching the wall, and once again, another song we're singing, and and he's like disturbed and annoyed by it, and he kind of, I think, at that point though, uh, how he wants to go, like, like does want to be tempted by it. Absolutely, absolutely. It is the movie. The movie really likes portraying its pagan side. I think it really likes portraying its very spiritual energy kind of focused yeah. side. Um, it because it, it is full of it, and then, like I said, the, the movie. Doesn't view that as horrific. How he views that as horrific. How he, how he views is terrible. And even um, I'll use her like her character's name. Even Willow though goes, oh okay. Like she she kind of goes, okay. It's not for everyone. Like she's not upset about him yeah. not wanting. And we do get the reveal of you know he's a virgin. And I my first note though is because Edward Woodward does not look like a young man here. I'm like, wow, he has waited a long time. Yeah, the man is the man is devout in his faith. Yeah. So, um, so, but that you're right. It's that, and then, and then uh, we get him, and he goes to the, he goes to the, he was like, okay, fuck this, and he goes to the school. Yes. Before and, oh, before we, oh, please before we move on to the school, yeah. I just want to bring up how camp is the innkeeper. Oh, it's so camp. Haha, ha. you know, it's like this, like, he's always mean mugged with the, uh, the upshot camera, and he's like, like, I feel like the guy's given faces. Was that a town, was that one of the townies? I, I don't, I don't know. Because, uh, the, the innkeeper, uh, because I think they used some of, uh, quite a bit of the local, like, from the oh, village possibly, they were shooting. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I mean, I know it was, unfortunately, there's not actually... A place called Summer Isle. Mm-hmm. This was shot in another part of Scotland. 
um, on the mainland. But I do. I I I love I love that innkeeper. He's the sassiest guy. Who's just like yes? I, I let all these people have their way with my daughter. That's no problem to me. Very and he normal. Just talks like Professor McGonagall. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, man, you're right. These like are the kind of things I get obsessed. About. No, it, it's it's a fun character. It's a fun character for sure. Um, yeah, they're he's a little too like yeah, take my daughter. I'm yeah, he doesn't care. He's not an issue. Do you think if he laid with her, I don't know why I never use the term laid with someone. That's I a like. very professional way. Yeah, of if he had sex, if, I've. If he had sex with her, do you think they would have been like, oh, they would have just gave up and searched for someone else? Like, you're not a virgin anymore. Yeah. 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 I think they had to prove that he was devout enough, basically. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think that that was that, right? Because, like, uh, like uh, 1973, Britt Brit Eklund, like, yeah. not, not many, well... Not many men are maybe in that scenario are going to say no. Wait, you should say people. Not many people are going to say no. Maybe, and, or it's hard to at least not give in a little in temptation. You shouldn't, you know, if you're in a relationship or married or whatever. But uh, they set it up well. Like, it, and like I said, she's not aggressive. Like it would be no. It, uh, fuck it. Even in the seventies, if uh, another one of those, you know, filmmakers shot it, it, it could have been played so much different. You know, a lot of a lot of that scene of the Willow's kind of temptation with the song, it's kind of cut with shots of Howie getting closer to the wall, starting yeah. to really sweat, starting Sweating, to he's kind touch, of he's touching the wall. You can feel this energy come through. And he's so close to oh. opening that little door between the two rooms. And just going, ah. He came. He he, he came. He well, I right. didn't necessarily want to, you know, outright say. No, it's odd. I'm like sorry. That. Oh, that, it was a good episode, guys. Um, <laughs> it's more than enough. So, get that. And then this, I think the first time, like, I get pissed off in this 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 movie is, um, is uh, when he goes into the schoolyard. And um, just erases their whiteboard. Yeah, it was the first yeah. time I was like, "What?" That it, it, it was like the authority of an aggressive. Um, and I don't know. I don't think I skipped anything. Oh, um, sorry. He does notice all in the in the when he's in the inn. This is important. He does notice all of the. Uh, harvest photos and everything from the May Queen and the May the May Day celebration in the inn. Um, but then he goes to the students and asks them. And this I do like I get his like cop is the, the detective skills though of like there's this name in here. Yeah. You know, and I do love the one girl, the first girl he does talk to though. She's like, she's like, yeah, I play with Rowan all the time. Like, but they stay in the field, like this and that. She's like, it's a hare. It, you know, it's a rabbit. And it, it's a great little... It has such a good payoff later. It does. Uh, it, really, it really, really does. And because, you know, this is the kind of stuff that uh, the, the Islanders 
fully believe in. They fully, genuinely believe in, in reincarnation. So to bring, you know, Howie to the island in the first place mm-hmm. under the guise that there's, you know, that Rowan's missing. Because yeah. it's all, the movies and the entire movie is one big manipulation, which I, I love as well because I kind of enjoy movies like that, I guess. Mm-hmm. But what? it's much easier for the children to play along because they're actually, they're brought up in this yeah, society where this like... believe, these beliefs are absolutely normal. So yes, obviously... Rowan is dead and she's being reincarnated as a hare, which is perfectly normal for her sister to just say, oh, yeah, Rowan's fine. She's a hare. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it was her sister. Um, it, 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 Yeah, nothing's presented as what it is. And... um, But that's, like, the ending bit, right? Like, when they're playing the, the chop game... Yes. And I'm jumping yes. way, way ahead. But, and I was generally startled when the head cut and it was just like, nope, like, cause like this, this is a goof. And like, we knew that was a headdress. It, cause I, they're not a, they're never presented as a, as a vindictive or like, uh, people kind of like, it sucks to say the comparisons to Midsummer. Like midsummer, it's like okay, they're taking bodies and like sewing them and putting them over spits and like really playing with the dead. Yeah, they, uh, they presented this, quite favorably for a lot of the movie. Really, you do. It's it is very easy to but, watch this movie and think, Howie, why are you just pestering these people? Just, that's what just, it, these people are fine. There's nothing wrong with these people. He gets, Stop being so uppity. Yeah, and he gets so, like I said, the first thing that pissed me off is the, the chalkboard. He races the chalkboard, yeah. writes on it. For no reason, just to write the girl's name. Um, and then, and then, like, you know, he finds more, and he finally meets uh, Lord Summerisle, though. Because everyone's like, well, you gotta get, you gotta talk to Lord Summerisle. That's who we want you to talk to. Every person he talks to is, like, respectful, and they, and he um, uh, talks to him, and they have a very, like, maybe because it was Christopher Lee, and I think just James Bond, you know, not James, like, the, his villain, He they have a, a Bond-like meeting. It uh, is a little bit, yeah. Oh, because I, I, before we were we started recording, I was telling Morgan, I said, when I was watching this movie, there were moments of it that were just, like... I don't know, maybe because it's 1973 and it's it's Scottish or, I mean, the movie's British, but, and they're talking about, you know, and Christopher Lee's in it, but I'm like, there's, there's things of like James Bond in it, like, especially Her Majesty's Secret Service, like the ruffled, the shirt, the Austin Powers shirt with the ruffles that he's, that Christopher Lee's wearing, um, which yeah. is what, which is what uh, he wears on Her Majesty's Secret Service, yeah. uh, James Bond. And then the way he, the way the now the music changes from the folk to then when he's trying to rescue uh, Rowan when he finally finds her, that score, like a score comes in out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and it's a little more like rock and roll. It's a real kind of, 
it's an intense tonal shift for an yeah. intense finale to the movie. It's, it's yeah. very noticeable. So anyway, I just noticed that and it made me in a yeah, very like well made me chuck. But I want to ask you a question because you brought something up. Of this movie is just deceiving. Do you think that I now I think this? Do you think this movie should be called something else and not use the Wicker Man iconography? Ooh, I've never even thought about because I I think it's. I mean, it makes sense. It's it's a great you know it's a great silhouette. It's a great name. It does give away the end. Like I know like like. I think looking at it and everything, I think of like, okay, when's the Wicker Man going to play? And I think it would figure it out like we're going to burn him alive in it real quick. Yeah, I, I, I get that actually. I'm going to be honest. I've never ever thought about that because I've always known. You've known, yeah. The I've always known the Wicker Man from the image of the Wicker Man. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I, like what if it was called Summer Isle? You know, yeah. like, and. I don't know what the poster would be, but maybe like, um, and movies, I mean, movies do that all the time, especially like iconic films. You know, they just take what's like, you know, how many, fuck, I've painted it before. It's not a spoiler or anything, but like, you know, how many posters utilized or DVDs or whatever have utilized like Jack Nicholson through the door on The Shining. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Or, uh, I mean, the big one growing up, it's a really boring remake. When they remade uh, record wreck, the span, the thing was oh yeah, wreck, yeah, yeah, and it was quarant- it was called quarantine, and they used uh, Jennifer Carpenter, like her getting dragged away was the promos, and I literally it's the last shot of the movie. You know, you're, yeah, it, it's I, not a good movie. It's not a good movie, but uh, I suppose, I suppose in terms of you know that sort of stuff. You look at the poster of The Exorcist as the kind of perfect example. It's perfect. There's something there. We don't know what it is. Here's the lead up to the big something. It's which you could. You, this movie could be called Summer Isle. That's a very happy, joyous, joyful yeah. title for this. And they weren't like, love that. And they weren't letting people do that in the seventies. Have the poster be the image of the Green Man in. Yeah. That face. Oh have yeah. That face. Have it be a maypole. Mm-hmm. The pole's probably, like but or May Day or something. But I was just wondering that because it really is the ending. It's our. It's what was really what we're leading to to watch that scene. We are. The, you know, the entire movie is one big crescendo up to it, and then yeah. it kind of explodes all over the place in fire and blood. But, this but it's. To my right, I have a Jaws poster, because what? who doesn't have a Jaws poster somewhere in their home? I do uh, not have a Jaws poster. All right, well, we need to change it. But it's it's like the Exorcist <laughs> one, right? Like, you, yes. you see it, you know what it is. Shark up, lady swimming. Great, I know what I'm going to see. You know what poster I love, just side tangent? The original Child's Play poster, where... It's the house. Okay. It's, it's the house. The woman falling, and you just see the eyes of Chucky. And the oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's it sells a different. It sells the movie you're gonna see compare, and it doesn't sell the wrong movie compared to the rest of every other time. Where I was like, now it's just Chuck. Yeah. And I love that series. But anyway, um, so that was just a, yeah. I, I just was wondering that because it 
it uh it it's it's right there and i i would like to show this to um i would like to show this to someone who has no idea what like the a wicker man is i love i love introducing this movie to to people because it's such a it's something you find that it's really not a movie for everyone because oh i don't i don't not just because it's a certain it's shot a certain way it's made a certain way but because it's it can be i've i've found because it is a horror movie it's only interested in being a horror movie it's very deliberately a horror movie it's just a bright kind of light-hearted on the surface horror movie Mm -hmm. it's that two layers down that is the that is more terrifying than most horror movies that two layers down layer i'm gonna sleep tonight and not think of any imagery or like fear of anything from this movie or like my wife who's terrified of all horror movies I could show her this any day of the week, and she'll go, I don't get it. I mean, I mean, it's, she'll get it, but, like, like, um, it is funny to be talking about, like, the themes of your film. I, growing up, um, I had a friend who loved the remake, but unironically. Like, it, we were, okay. we were in middle school, so you don't, you know, we're, but I remember him saying, man, like, this, the Wicker Man, like, it's so sad. Of that, like, he was like, it's so sad, it's so good, like, you guys gotta see it. We're 12. <laughs> or whenever that movie came, came out. Yeah, 2004 or 5. And I, and I'm only bringing the, a remake up because it's the same core principle of this movie, and, like, if you watch it through those eyes, if, like, a 12-year-old's going, it's great, because, like, how sad is this kind of tragic thing that's going on? Yeah. And um, I'm sure his opinion has changed of this, of, uh, <laughs> Of the, the the iconic Nicolas Cage film, um, but uh, it uh, actually who he one time in an interview like ten years ago said he wanted to remake, but as a as a J horror film about ghosts. Weird. Okay. I love the man. You got to find that interview somewhere. It's bonkers. It's just like this. This doesn't even make sense. Um, so, but we he kind of then is finding more clues though about um about the island and what's going on. And then he does discover, um, he does discover like their, their purpose, like the sacrifice. And he's like, yeah. he puts it together with uh, uh, literature and missing photos that he finds. He's like, okay, she was murdered, you know, she was murdered because they didn't have a bountiful harvest. And that's, and that's it. And it's I'm when it's when he learns the extent of, you know, these people aren't just unusual yeah. islanders cut off from the mainland. They are full traditional pagans mm-hmm. who will go to centuries old lengths to get their do stuff. what they yeah do what they believe is the right thing to do. So he does because he says he gets permission from Lord Sumrile to examine the grave. Yes. They say, yeah, yeah, Rowan, she died. You know, and guess what he does, but it's a fucking rabbit is in the... I love love the grave, uh, the grave digger, I suppose, is is what you would call him, because I, I, 
I think his name's Aubrey Morris, the actor. I always remember him from A Clockwork Orange because he's the one who spits on Malcolm McDowell's face really horribly. Oh, that's him? Yeah, that's the yeah. same guy. Yeah, it's Aubrey Morris, you're right. Um, but he's like really camp as well in this movie. Everybody's got such everyone's a camp. Scottish he, accent. Hell, even, even um, we didn't bring it up, because, but even when he goes, oh, do you have any apples? Like, and the can, the whole, like, conversation of canned peaches and apples, like, even uh, Sergeant Howie is being camp in that scene, how he's delivering the lines. Maybe it's just, maybe it is truly just kind of northwest Scotland. It's, I suppose it, I, I, I've always wanted to go to northwest Scotland, go to some of the islands, go yeah. to the highlands and that kind of stuff. Because, I mean, you do find villages that are cut off from a hell of a lot of sure. other stuff. It's, you know, it's very particular insular kind of cultures. Yeah. Um, I've never, we're, we're, we were supposed to go to Ireland and Scotland for our honeymoon. So one day we will be going. Uh, but those plans haven't been booked yet. And <laughs> it's tough. It's uh, tough. But, um, so one day, but yeah. And I, I mean, we've covered on, on this podcast, we've covered a few movies, um, I guess, yeah, one and more in particular, like The Ritual, um, the Ooh. Netflix original movie, The Ritual, um, they go hiking, I believe that is, that actually might be hiking through Scotland, I think, or Poland. It was the same thing, cut off and finding, yeah. you know, um, recently, the uh, I highly recommend if anyone's listening, the Wrong Turn remake they had, uh, Ooh, that, was okay. that was released this year, or it was released or last year under the radar. Similar kind of cut off people. Um, it's not, uh, it's in the United States, but it's the same. You're right. There's people just have traditions. That's what these things are. They're like, they're yeah. not, for the most part, not out to harm you. They are out to harm Howie. <laughs> um, they're only, but they're only, they're not out to harm Howie because they don't like Howie. Howie's just the kind of person they need. They need a it's, virgin. It's not. We hate Howie. We're going to murder him. It's a we need this sacrifice. It's important to us. In a way, you you understand both points of view, which is, is the kind of whole point of what I said before, where the movie kind of just presents the clash of people rather yeah. than giving you a side to pick. So, yeah, and that hap- you're absolutely right, and. After we find that grave and all that, okay, so Howie's just kind of done though, and he, he is. he's done with it, and he he does to Howie's credit tries to get back in his plane. And he's like, I'm gonna be back, like, and the plane doesn't work. So then you know he goes back in the surprise, the surprise, island. someone messed with his plane. Yeah, and he then this is I think this is we're at the hour mark of the movie, and weirdly the episode probably, and Howie is like ramp and then this is one of the things ramp up okay so we're seeing the parade start we're seeing the may day or it's the day before the may day and he 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 was he just asleep or he didn't eat something he was just asleep and they were like people were like the the landlord or they were like okay like we'll we'll give him this and knock him out for about three or four days like so he doesn't see any of this stuff yeah How, he absolutely had enough. He stole back into the inn and just goes, I'm going to rest. I need, I need to just be alone. Yeah. 
then yeah he, and he punches the and he punches the guy out which is such a great punching scene steals the costume then goes to the festivities and like we kind of mentioned earlier so the way the festivities are shot it's not it's it's all presented as fun there's playing around they're playing this game yeah but i mean you've got to at least i i assume that that is completely factual you know that's natural for if you lived in a pagan community, that's what your May Day parade would oh, look like. If I lived in a pagan community, it'd be that. I'd be like, oh, I'm looking for that. And it'd be like hanging out at the, at the pub, at the inn, the pub, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And drinking and drinking and singing. That's what we you would be doing for entertainment. Twirling around that maple, singing that song. I always, I always try and remember that May Day song as well. That happens like, I think it's about, it's about halfway or about half an hour into the movie. The movie is, you're right. It's, it's an hour, 20 songs. minutes. Yeah, it is full of songs, but there's... Oh, it's, yeah. That, um, you know, can, on, on that branch, there was a nest, and on that nest, there was an egg, and that one, that song, I always try and remember it. It's, I never can. It's so many different things. It's all about kind of circle of life and all that kind of stuff. It's Corn rigs. It's better than the uh, Lion King Circle of Life song. Yeah, it's um, but it's a fun it, song. It's 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 a fun song. It's a fun, and that's how the movie I think is sounding and presented. And uh, and then this is like we I mentioned the chop, the head chop happens, yeah. and he is like he still hasn't revealed himself, but then he fi- he does find. Rowan up there in like kind of the mountain area or the field and he's like all right let's go and that was the James Bond scene if for people listening I was talking about a little earlier and they run away and then this is basically Christopher Lee oh by the way we also get great Christopher Lee in like like kind of doing drag it, it truly Christopher Lee's costumes in this movie are just incredible you were talking about before recording you want to you want to get his uh his yellow sweater, and I got, I got to yeah. agree with that. It's a perfect yellow color. Um, but he's, yeah, he's in this costume, and like he's leaving the march, and they're having fun. Then we get to the top, and he's like, "Good job, Rowan." You, you know, and it, it was like basically, he's like, "It's a trick," and he explains, he explains it all. Uh, you know, with everything, with such certainty. You know, yeah, this we, is fun. We everything you've done and we've made you think has been on purpose. Now, at one point on this island, have you thought you got the better of us? We knew we wanted you to think we were crazy. Uh, we want you to see all them titties. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, um, and feel uncomfortable. And he's like, and you're a virgin. And the, uh, the adult male virgin is the strongest possible sacrifice our gods. Can have. I think they what 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 are the phrases? It's a man who has come of his own free will. Yeah, and he came of his own free will. Um, because they also they also wanted him to pretend to be the punch fool figure in the costume yeah. because or in the parade. Because they keep because, saying you're a fool. Yeah, they wanted him to run after Rowan when they brought Rowan out of that cave. Notice he runs up there completely on his own. Nobody stops him. Nobody 
think, no. what's Mr. McGregor the innkeeper doing running after Rowan? Because they know he's not Mr. McGregor the innkeeper. They just want him to think. Him to he, think he yeah, that's a great... It's a great point, especially the, like you said, the costuming and the word fool. I kept noticing that. Yeah. Um, and that you know he's beside it, and then and then I think because he has his right, Christopher Lee has his moment, but then this is when I think uh, Edward Woodward, Sergeant Howie, has gets to have his like his moment to really give a monologue and like truly put emotion in this character that's been like stoic all. Yeah, all movie, and we mentioned it earlier, but he gives the conversation of, you know, or the talking points of, I'm, this is nuts. Like, you're not here. Uh, I'm sorry, you're not. This is not going to bring your crops. It has to, it has to do with the roots. He's bringing now science into it, not just his faith. Yeah, I did mention, forgotten one part. I really liked this movie, and we haven't really talked too much about, you know, the, uh you know, the Christianity comparison to that, but I love the conversation that Brandon Lee, not Brandon Lee, Christopher Lee and, um, and Edward Woodward have at the mansion. Yeah. Um, and he, cause when he brings up Christianity and Christopher Lee goes, he had his chance about like Jesus Christ. He goes, he had his chance to, you know, do that, um, to succeed or whatever. And like, and I really like that line of dialogue dialogue. Cause it was, Christopher Lee or the Summer Isle Lord acknowledging that like, yeah, we're, we're, I'm fully aware of the world's most popular religion. Yeah. And that is part of what we, that is, has been a piece of my religion. It's not, I'm not so different than you is the conversation they kind of have. And I really appreciated that scene. Yeah. It's a, it, it is a very good scene. Not to jump anything. all the way back when we're at the end, but <laughs> no, any it is, and we uh, should have we should have spoken a lot about that scene because I suppose it is the central kind of question or philosophy of this movie yeah. is this debate between Christianity and paganism. The movie doesn't pick a side, like I've said, it, it no, simply I, presents the idea, and it shouldn't. I don't like. I didn't. No, no, no one. I don't want to come to a movie and be told. And in one way or another, be preached at. No, and it's, it's not. It's not, like, it's not propaganda in any. No, that's any that's the word I was looking for, propaganda. But they have that, and then you know he reveals the plan um, and all of that, and then he drags him. Then the guys drag him up the hill. You know uh, uh, how he tries to fight back a little bit, but he can. He's outmatched. They drag him up the hill, and you said there was that one shot. The horror. He sees it. It's there in hands. And then he sees the wicker man and he immediately knows he's going that thing and they're going to yeah. light that shit right up. And, um, and yeah, and my favorite part of the ending scene, I'm sure you've noticed, you noticed it, is the audio. This is the only time the psalm, he's saying his psalm while he's being burned alive or about to be being burned alive and i have wikipedia right up here so it's psalm 22 and they're they're singing um summer is income in yes there's right. summer is a cumin in i think is it it's kind of an old middle english okay kind of so um pagan song or celtic song I suppose. yeah they're singing that song while he's saying that and the way this was mixed or i don't know the correct terming really but 
it was they're about the same level where it's and the fire is roaring and it's uncomfortable however way you cut that um splice the the audio very particularly of that scene yeah. like yeah the fire's happening and like they you know we use a great imagination yeah there's look there's there's animals squealing because they're they've been put in the wicker man yeah. i think there's babies in there there's sheep in there there's chickens in there they're making all sorts of noise obviously the wicker man's on fire now so you're getting the huge roar of the fire Howie singing The Lord is My Shepherd and mm-hmm. the rest of the Summer Islanders swinging their arms yeah. with huge smiles on their faces, all of them wearing beautiful turtlenecks. <laughs> That's why you're wearing a turtleneck today. I it is. It. it is. I wear a turtleneck all the damn time. This is nothing new for me. And mm-hmm. um, singing, you know, their traditional song um, about the, the incoming of summer, the incoming of you know, because it's all about growth. It's all about the harvest for them, and that, that sure. No, it's growth times. It's fantastic. Um, because there's so much. You're right. Like with this growth, and then like I didn't even, I didn't even process the other animals in the yeah. uh, it being in there as well. It's the noisiest scene it's 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 it this movie does such a good job of being so different um and different and like not like a truly like it's not like wildly like plotless and art house like we i covered and i had a blast covering it i love watching it uh, the criterion yeah one of the episodes i covered uh for this show is 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 house House okay and that movie's so wild and I I just bring I only bring it up because I think they share similar DNA. Um, and it was like before recording, I was like, "How the fuck am I going to talk about this movie?" You know, like you know, how are we going to plot this one out? Um, didn't have that with with uh, Wicker Man, but they have that similar DNA where like it it's the right amount of weird Wicker yeah. Man. It knows the tone it sets, but it changes its scene. Um. And I do think like it's it's one that definitely gets probably better on better on more watches. It, do you know what it really really does? It gets better once you notice more tiny little details, and whether that is music cues, whether that is little things to do with the acting, it's very very deliberately directed. I think there's not a missed beat at all, mm. and it does get but it does get better and better upon we rewatch because when you rewatch it you you do learn more and more about it adds to the that appreciation you can watch it on that first time and think how is this a horror movie this is quite funny but you watch it again and you go okay this is a horror movie this is renowned as a horror movie what am i not seeing is in a horror movie yeah, and you it's... watch it and then you're like Oh, okay. And then you watch it again and it just becomes more and more horrific to you. I remember my dad may watch I I've only seen this movie. This is my second time seeing it. I watched it once in high school, well over ten years ago. It was probably fourteen years ago that I saw this movie. Um but I remember this movie was on um 
top 100 horror movie countdowns of all times. Yeah. Bravo. Uh, they have all the YouTube up. You should watch it. It's a great countdown. I But back when they show me, I'm watching it. I'm in middle school when I, and it comes across. And one of the guys explaining, it's like, yeah, it's this odd thing. I think he got ranked like 43 on their list. And he was like, you know, this con- strong conservative. And he describes it. And there's these like naked women all running around. And he's like bothered by it. And like, that's what the talking head explained the movie as. And I remember my dad going, not knowing what the movie is going. I don't, what's the problem there? Like, you know, like, okay. Like, and it's I remember. It's a poor description. Yeah. I remember thinking like, oh, we, well, we probably should watch it. Cause it probably is something there. Um, that uncomfort, comforting, and uh, this movie has a great sense of uh, foreboding to to it. It does. Well. It does. Um, so, anything else? Um, I, you know, we haven't covered or touched upon that you'd like to to cover. Oh, um, look, like I said, I could I could talk about yeah. various details about this movie for hours, but I suppose bringing it back to a more general sense is, is that you don't need I think particularly with horror you don't need plot after plot after plot after plot to be an effective horror movie you just need a purposeful scenario and a, and a scenario that you know how to sit in as a, as mm-hmm. a film and if you do that for 80 minutes this movie is 80 minutes long it's short this, this podcast do, is longer it's, Might it's be longer is. than the movie. Um, it certainly is. Yeah, Morgan. I don't think I could have summed it up any like better. Um, and, and the it's the it's a great encapsulation of everyone's in the joke except for you, and that's the horror. And to yeah. me, it's the scariest kind of horror. Um, you know, because it, when you're included, you're like, cool, I'm in the club. But when you're out, not included, it's just paranoia. Exactly. Um, exactly and folk horror needs to be it needs to be more not not more respected because because it, it, it is respected i i guess it just kind yeah. of i feel it needs to be more in the conversation of great horror subgenres and it's because there's not loads of great examples of folk horror it's mainly around the late 60s early 70s and it's yeah. mainly britain that made them yeah there's about um four or so when i was reading about it up today and unfortunately yeah. i don't have it in front of me but you know they they reference like it was like you know it's wicker man you know and then like three other movies and like that's about it in folk art only other mm. question i have for you is did you watch the spiritual sequel that um that the director made in 2011 you know what? I never have, and I don't really know why. I've not got an excuse. The Wicker Tree. I I have I haven't. I'm curious because um, we're talking about vagaries and all of this, and you know, um, uh, the director was like, "Yeah, it's a spiritual sequel. I'm, it's vague. Like things are up to your interpretation." And then Christopher Lee, I guess when it was because I something goes, no, nope, two different characters. There's no relation. You know, it was like. Um, it sounded like it was like shut down. Like okay, um, so I, I'm curious to see it. I, I wish I yeah, had watched I, it before this. Um, absolutely, absolutely. But, I wasn't see. But anyway, um, yeah, I think we covered it the movie pretty well. And I know, like I said, we could keep talking to find these little plot details. But uh, 
having said all of this, Morgan, where uh, where can the people find you? Well, obviously, my main home podcasting is It's a Wonderful Podcast. We have three shows over there. We have It's a Wonderful Podcast, the namesake show. Uh, every Friday, we that's me, Janine, uh, if you watch the movie trivia show, then that is Janine the Machine. Or Janine Bryce, if you just know of Jen. From the screen, from the scream episode of Flowers of Fear. And also Nolan Dean as well, who uh, you know every every Friday we alternate on that. I'm always there, but that is a celebration of old movies and what it's many. It's a fantastic podcast. Movies, yeah. We we have Morgan hasn't seen every Wednesday. Janine, yeah. Has, Need to watch things. You're going through Will Farrell films right now, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yes. Uh, at time of this recording, I think the at time of this recording, the last episode we published was actually Step Brothers, which oh, was, I love that movie. Um, um, by time this is released, you'll be on to whatever your ne- well until your next. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but. That's excellent. Yeah, go follow them at the channel and uh, Morgan on Twitter at the Purple Don. Yes. Um, really great follow and uh, for years. And um, as always, you could find me on this channel, Flyover State of F- Film, and uh, uh, Chandinga One. Uh, at this point, when you're listening to it, mute me. I'm talking about baseball, and you could just mute that. Um, oh, I like I like this as well. I I I have been. No, oh, I don't know what the word is, but I went watching one baseball game in 2018, and it was when I was in LA, and it was oh, nice. the Mets and Dodgers. the Mets won. It was the Mets, Dodgers, yeah, the Mets cool. won, and I'm now a Mets fan. So oh, you are? Oh, Morgan. That's how that works. A, a, ca- a very, very casual Morgan, Mets I got fan. so much stuff to say. Anyway, and I'm sure you see my retweets, and you're just vicariously living on Mets. I do, and I'm like, I like it, yes. Yeah, no, good. that's awesome. I Let's go Mets. Okay, so at this point, I am. And then you can follow the, the Flyer State of Fear uh, Twitter. Oh, man, you just made my night. Um, that's fan. All right. Uh, well, let's go Mets and stay frightful, everyone. Welcome to Flyover State of Fear.